1: Um, It's going to be amazing. I feel like God's given me something to say. Um, So what? uh, we are in the, um, what's the name? Preach, that'll preach. Brain. We're in the that'll preach series. So we're showing movies and we're preaching messages off of movies. So today I'm going to show you a clip from the highest grossing R-rated movie in American history. Roger Ebert said uh, that was this is the most violent film he'd ever seen. No, it's not Saw 2. Right, it's not Saw 2. Some of you are like, yes, I knew it. It's not Texas Chainsaw. Movie is The Passion of the Christ. And the scene I'm going to show you is hard to watch. It's going to feel like we just uh, dove into the deep end, right? Um, But it's good for us to remember what Jesus did for us. So um, this is a brutal, it is a graphic scene. So if you have kids in here, you don't want them to see that. Now, actually, like 60 seconds ago was your opportunity to... uh, to exit the room, so let's go ahead and roll this scene from Passion from the Christ. It's a little under three minutes, so it's not uh, it's not too long. <laughs> I black. What <laughs> oh, they're not, they
0: wear.
1: They and they wear. The Harus bet Kadish, what Ibnelept lept'lat you mean. Lekael Mared min Salva. And who? Meshiaha! Ana Amar! Yerudhu min Salva! Dinakadze wa nehahamin!
0: Hope. Oh. Delay
1: Herr Bär,
0: wo My luck. You might not be with me. Got it
1: Come on, why don't we just give Jesus a praise for his goodness? So that clip is hard to watch for sure, and it should be. And the truth is, uh, anything that Mel Gibson and Hollywood come up, could come up with doesn't even compare to what Jesus actually went to for you and for me, so that we could crush hell because he crushed it. So why, John, you might be asking, uh, why did you show us that clip? Well, it's because I believe God wants to speak to us through that clip. And um, the part of the crucifixion story, which if you don't know, the word um, excruciating actually comes from the word crucifixion. So you think about excruciating pain that was derived from the word crucifixion. But the part of the story that's been standing out to me lately is the thief on the cross, How beautiful is it when the thief um, hanging there with Jesus says to him, uh, he basically rebukes the other thief and hanging there says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the, the great news for us is it is that simple. It's not complicated to spend eternity in paradise. It should be. But that is the um, craziness of the gospel is how simple it is based on what Jesus did. Um, But that story has been standing out uh, to me. And so why don't we just go there and let's read it. So Matthew chapter 27 says this, verse 35, it says, Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled Which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lot. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there, and they put up over his head the accusation written against him This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking with the scribes and elders said, he saved others, himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Wait. Did I get that? What? Did I get that right? Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same... I thought, I thought, I thought one of the robbers reviled and one of the robbers said, remember right? That's the story of the thief on the cross, right? One reviled, but Matthew's saying they both reviled him. Let me see. Yeah, I have the rest of the story written here, and it says nothing about remember me. Maybe that's different. Let's check Mark. Let's go to Mark chapter 15. Let's because, again, we're looking for the remember me. We want the thief on the cross. This is what we're talking about. The thief on the cross said, Lord, remember me. It was a beautiful thing that he said. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. So let's see if uh, it should be in Mark. I mean, that's the way I've always heard the story is that that's, it wasn't two people that reviled. It was one. Okay, anyway. Mark 15 uh, says, and when they crucified him, They divided his garments, casting lots for them to to determine what every man should take. Now it was about the third hour and they crucified him. And the inscription of his accusation was written above the king of the Jews. With him, they also crucified two robbers. Okay, here we go. We're going to get to the remember me part. One on his right, the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled, which says he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, "Aha! You who destroy the temple." I just think that's funny. I think it's funny that people walk were walking by Jesus and they were like, "Aha!" Like that's just weird, like you know what I mean? like but maybe people were 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 weird uh, back then, "Aha, you who like calm down. I mean you're just walking by and you're wagging your head and then you just like like outburst, "Aha." It just seems. Seems odd to me. You who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking among themselves with the scribes, said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Okay, here we go. Even those who were crucified with him reviled him. What? Even those who were, I've, even those who were crucified with him reviled him. There's, what is happening here? Where is the, babe, I should have studied harder. Like I, I mean, I have this great point about the thief on the cross, but it says, all right. so they both, okay, so Matthew and Mark are saying they both reviled him. Okay, let, No, Mark doesn't say anything about remember. Okay, maybe Luke. Maybe Luke will give us what we're looking for. I'm sorry, you guys are bearing with me. I should have prepared harder. Luke 23. There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. Okay, here we go. Two other criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary there, they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. So beautiful. And they divided his garments and cast lots, and the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, Luke didn't include the aha thing. He's like, yeah, that, we shouldn't include that. It doesn't look bad. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah, he saved others, let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription was also written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged, okay, good, we're getting to one of the criminals, okay, who were hanged, blasphemed him. Okay, this is the bad guy. This is the blaspheming guy. If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, okay, Luke is finally getting it right. But the other, answering, rebuked him, the other thief, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I love that. The Gospel of John actually has no mention of the thieves on the cross with Jesus. And um, I'm sure you all picked up, you know, even in spite of my tremendous acting skills. Um, that I'm trying to make a point here. I was reading through the Bible uh, a couple months ago. Um, I recommend that you all read the Bible. Um, and I was reading Matthew or Mark and I came across the scripture that said, and the two thieves crucified with Jesus mocked him. And it threw me for a loop because I always thought it was, right, Tyson? One thief mocked, and one thief said, Lord, remember me. But two of the four gospels don't say anything about, Lord, remember me. They just say that both thieves mocked. And then you get to Luke, and that's where the Lord, remember me story is. And I'm like, so what could have possibly happened? All three are on crosses, crucified. Both thieves are mocking Jesus while they're hanging on the cross, crucified. And something happens where Luke records that one of the thieves changed his mind. And instead of mocking, changed to, Lord, remember me. What could Jesus have possibly done hanging on the cross to convert this dying thief from mockery to remember me? And so I thought about that. It's interesting. Does anybody else think that's an interesting question? It's not like they got off the cross and had a Bible study, right, and, like, and like went to the book of Isaiah, and, you know, Jesus explained all the law and the prophets to this thief and said, no, like, there's, like they were just nailed there. So what could have possibly happened? And I believe the answer I believe the answer and the transformation happened as the one thief saw how Jesus suffered. As the one thief hanging on the cross, the only answer I can come up with, watching how Jesus suffered, converted him from mocking to you must be God. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. The title of my message this morning is I see how you suffer. I see how you suffer. What's my point? My point is that maybe the impact we're wanting to have maybe the impact we're all wanting to have on the world around us, okay? Our family, our friends, our school, our job, our neighbors, and the ability to pass any test we may encounter in life, big or small, the ability to pass any test, And impact those around us is going to be found when we learn to suffer like Jesus did. So, question two questions. How do you go, how do you, how do I suffer? How do you go through difficult times? I know my tendency is going to be to isolate and figure it out. My wife is different. She wants, she's going to call, you know, all of her best friends <laughs> and, and lay it all out. And, and that's great. And that's incredibly healthy. But for me, and I think a lot of people, we, we tend to isolate. We tend to show up to church on a Sunday and, how you doing? Oh, my gosh, so good. How are you? Like I'm trying to figure out a different response. If somebody can help me. Because the truth is, I don't have time to really tell you how I'm doing. But half of the time when you ask me how I'm doing and I say, good, I'm lying to you. So if someone knows a solution to that, DM me on Instagram. So how do you suffer? Well, let's ask the more important question. So how did Jesus suffer that caused the thief on the cross to convert from mockery to Lord, remember me. I believe that the answer is found within the seven statements Jesus made on the cross. Jesus said seven things. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said, I thirst. He said, mother, behold your son. And then to the uh, disciple John, behold your mother. And he said, today you will be with me in paradise He said, it is finished. And he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Four of those statements, though, I believe Jesus would have said prior to the thief saying, Lord, remember me. Four of those statements. So I want to talk about those four statements that Jesus said and what they could mean to us to teach us how we can go through suffering from big levels to little levels, right? I'm even talking about like they messed up your coffee order, right? Like that is a legit level of suffering. Okay. How do you deal with that? Lord, help me. Well, I will. I'm going to, I'm going to show. So the first thing Jesus said that, um, point number one, he said, father, forgive them. Talking about how Jesus suffered that converted this thief from mockery to remember me. The point being, how can we be more effective in our worlds and how can we pass any test that may come our way? He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Jesus refused to hold on to offenses, he refused to hold on to offenses. I mean, that is the craziest thing. You're you're hanging on the cross. Kidding me? You saw it in the clip. And you have people mocking you. I mean, that high priest guy, like, I would, I want to pull out his beard hair. Like, I wanna I wanna hurt him. But Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How can you possibly do that? I believe one of the ways that we can forgive people even when they don't deserve it, because for me, my nature is, if you ask me to forgive you, Pastor Vince, I'll forgive you. (laughs) Especially if you change your behavior, right? But what if you don't even ask and you don't even change? I think that's where most of us get caught up. Well, if they change their behavior, I'll forgive them. Right? If they ask me, but if they don't, then no, they're out. They're on the out. They're on the outskirts. But that's not the example that Jesus set. He said, they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. How did he do that? I believe that was because Jesus, he said, they don't know what they do. So he exercised empathy. I think for us, one of the ways we can forgive people that have hurt us, whether it was this morning or whether it was when you were a child, whenever it was, is to try to look through the eyes of empathy. So often we have no idea what that rude person is going through. That driver on the freeway, right? That, that server at a restaurant that wasn't cool. We have no idea what that person might be going through. And so we exercise empathy. It can help us to extend forgiveness. There's a great quote uh, that I'd love to share with you right now. Listen closely to this. Before you criticize someone, you should walk a mile in their shoes. Right? That way, when you criticize them, you're a mile away from them and you have their shoes. As a joke. <laughs> I really believe today, I really believe today that in the altar time, uh, God wants to do a work in our hearts with, with any offenses we've held on to. And uh, because, you know, I've heard it said, a quote, you know, unforgiveness. It's like drinking poison and hoping that the other person dies, right? It's not good for you. It's not good for me and I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit today wants to heal, (laughs) wants to heal. The second thing Jesus said is he said uh, to Mary, did we get these points switched around? He said, thank you very much, great job. Hey, let's give it up for Zach, my favorite worship leader up in the booth. He said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then to the disciple John, behold your mother. So what did Jesus do? How did he suffer? Again, what converted the thief on the cross? The only thing it could have been is he saw how Jesus suffered. So what can we learn? He said, woman, behold your son, behold your mother. He focused on serving others. He focused on serving others. I'm telling you, one of the best things we can do for ourselves when we're going through a trial is to actually focus on serving other people. Focus on serving other people. (laughs) The truth of the matter is, for my wife and I, and I'll speak for myself, today, currently, I am going through the most challenging time in my entire life as I stand here, and there, most of me does not want to be on stage with a microphone, especially singing. I want to retreat. I want to... Uh, I want to lick my wounds and I want to wait for God to do something about my situation. And when you do, then I'll get back to praising. That's just, you know, that's just, that's honesty. But I can tell you that specifically the last two times I've led worship, I did not want to, I did not want to do it. I didn't want to do it. Lauren and I are, you know, we're processing this season and we're having a conversation at home on a Saturday. And I'm like, and tomorrow I have to lead worship. (laughs) But I can tell you that the last two times I've led worship and I've made the decision to not just mail it in, but to to lead worship and to declare the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, the breakthrough of God, the truth of God, the authority. I'm telling you, I've come out of both of those last two services and I've felt like, yes, okay, thank you, Jesus. Yes, I believe this. Yes, I'm hanging on to it. And so what is that for you? The temptation to retreat when you're going through a difficult time, as opposed to the decision to serve and focus on others when you're going through a difficult time. I'm telling you, that is how Jesus suffered, and that is what impacted the world around him, and will allow you to have the impact on the world around you you're looking to have. The uh, third thing, my third point, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So what does that mean? What it means is that when Jesus was suffering, he got honest with God. Many of us think uh, that God can't handle the truth, (laughs) right? Right? It's like Tom Cruise, right? And in uh, a few good men, right? I want the truth. We think God is like Tom Cruise, right? We're Jack Nicholson, right? You can't handle the truth. <laughs> but the 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 truth is that he can, and the truth is that's actually all God wants. What Jesus wants from us boils down to one word, relationship. And you cannot have a relationship with someone you know is not being authentic with you. I'll go to coffee with you once, but if the whole time it's just I'm blessed and highly favored, like I am passing you down the line. (laughs) Because I want what's real. I want to have a real, I want to connect. We're made in the image of God. That's exactly what he wants. Jesus got honest with God. And as he was honest with God on the cross, suffering, being crucified, that is what converted this thief to go, this does not make sense. I was mocking this man. I was ridiculing him. But how can he on a cross, bleeding, broken, and dying, sit there and still? open up his heart to God and say, why have you forsaken me? How can he do this? God wants you to get honest with him. I used to work in corporate America and, uh, you know, I had my coworkers around me. They knew I was a Christian. And so when they would cuss, you know, dropping dropping an F-bomb, they'd be like, oh, sorry, John, sorry, John. And I'd be like, say sorry to me. I only cuss when I pray. And there's like <laughs> God can handle it. God can handle it. I didn't say this in the last service, but this is powerful. Pastor Loren preached an amazing message on Wednesday. She used the scripture from John chapter 4, verse 23, says, But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. When it says that the Father is seeking worshipers to worship in spirit and truth, that word truth means not concealing. God is looking for worship that is unconcealed. I'm gonna give it all to you, Jesus. I'm gonna give you the good. I'm gonna give you the bad. I'm gonna give you the ugly. I'm gonna tell you everything I think. God, I'm gonna dish it out on you because I know you can handle it. And more than handle it, that's what you want from me. This message wouldn't be impactful to you if I stood up here and said, everything was roses and perfect in my life this message is impactful to you because I'm standing here on the stage saying, I don't know if I really want to be here. Come on. I don't know. What's the fourth thing Jesus said that I believe changed everything for this thief? He said, I thirst. What does that mean for us? It means he got vulnerable with people. Jesus said, I thirst. He got vulnerable with people. For me, this is the hardest one because I think it's the hardest one for every human. But nobody wants like I, you know, jokingly said about Small talk and hey, how are you i 'm good how are you i'm great, okay, great. <laughs> Nobody really wants those conversations yeah. right and they're and they 're not even good for us, but Jesus got vulnerable with people on the cross, and it 's a mind bender right because um, you know we think that appearing as like perfect and having it all together is what is actually going to impact people the most. And I've preached that before, right? That, you know, this valley is going to see, um, is going to come to Jesus when they see a demonstration of an abundant life. Right. And so it's easy to interpret that as, so then that means everything is perfect and roses and, oh my gosh, look at their amazing lives. I want a life like that. Where do you go to church? Oh, come to, you know, and like, like, yes, like, yes, that has happened and that will happen. But I think it's a two-sided coin. And I think that, that a lot of what people, especially in this valley need to see is vulnerability. People that would say, yeah, I'm going through it. I am. But I know He's a wonder-working God. Yeah. Yeah. Don't tell me He can't do it. Don't tell me He can't do it. My last point, I apologize. I was gonna sing a song, but it's not gonna happen. <laughs> I said that mostly for production, so nobody's on their toes going, get him a guitar. My last point is beauty and the pain or passing the test. Beauty and the pain are passing the test. Again, the purpose of this message is to decipher how was it that the thief went from mockery to remember me? And I believe it was that he saw how Jesus suffered And that is what converted him in such a radical, dramatic way. And in the same way, those lessons can inform us and teach us when we're going through something difficult, how we can function and act to see the same result that Jesus saw on the cross, which was a moment of suffering, but it resulted in eternal glory. How can we pass the test? Because Jesus could have bailed anytime he wanted to, right? He said in Matthew, you know, do you not think I can pray to my father and he'll provide me more than 12 legions of angels? Like at any moment, Jesus could have bailed, but this is what he knew. And this is what you need to know, that his greatest moment of suffering, I'm just gonna prophesy to you today. This is for you. Jesus knew and you need to know that his greatest moment of suffering came right before his greatest moment of glory. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No answer. God could have talked to him He did at his baptism. At his baptism, a voice came from heaven, said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So God could have answered him when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Silence. And it would have been easy to think that indeed God had forsaken him and there was nothing going on. But what we know from the next verse says this, Matthew 27, the next chapter in Matthew, says, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. So as soon as he cried out with a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit, it said, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened. And then this gets crazy. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. And so it's like Jesus on the cross might've thought, God's not. Jesus in his humanity, okay, we all know He's fully God, fully man. Jesus in his humanity could have thought, there's nothing happening here. This is just the worst. This is horrible. I'm crying out to God and he's not answering me. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I've done all the right things. I've forgiven people. I've been vulnerable with people. I've been honest with you, God and I've served others, radio silence. Could have thought God had indeed forsaken him. But what you see here, which is so beautiful, is that the moment it says that Jesus yielded up his spirit, it was like heaven and the plan and the work and the will of God had just been being pulled back like this massive slingshot full of tension. And the moment Jesus breathed his last breath, that was all released and there was, the veil was torn in two, the separation between God and man was no longer there. The earthquake, there was thunder and lightning and all of this. You could have thought God was doing nothing, but the whole time it was just getting revved. And I'm telling you today, you may feel like God's not up to something in your world. You may feel like there's nothing happening, but I'm telling you, as we learn to suffer the way Jesus suffered, Our Heavenly Father, he is at work behind the scenes getting you ready for your greatest moment of glory. And if you believe that, today I want you to give God a mighty shout of praise. Lord, we trust you, we honor you, we thank you in Jesus' name.
0: Wow.